podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. We are back for another brew with a blue. Uh, a little bit later than planned, or the, the usual ones this week, as you can probably see. Uh, so, uh, so we have to wake up wait a little bit longer for him to get up from, from his slumber. Although you are usually awake quite early, aren't you, Rob? Well, yeah, I, I I like that you're using the term like wake up from my slumber, like I'm sleeping in, like a college student or something. I mean, it's a it's a six hour time difference. Uh, it's a little after eight here, but uh, yeah, no, glad I could do it. Got my coffee and uh, and got my got my shirt, and I'm ready to go. I'm trying to read what it says on the mug. What does it say? Oh, yeah. So my wife got me this. And it says, you are the luckiest guy in the world. I would love to be married to me. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. That's, that's, you know, if there's if it's possible for a coffee mug to sum up your life partner and soulmate, that's pretty much me. That's my wife nailed right there. Well, I think it, it's not like a, a semi-serious. No, we're talking there before we hit record. And, you know, you're, you're a married man. I'm a, I'm a newly married man. And we were sort of saying that in these times, it's... It's probably easy to think that everybody's shocked, shacked up with the families or shacked up with their, the wife or the husband, but there's going to be a lot of people who are just on their own, and that's that's really yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think I think for people who are alone, they have different challenges. Uh, just like I'm sure there are people who are stuck together right now who feel stuck together. Um, but uh, yeah, it. it but it definitely makes you think, like I was saying to Matt before we hit record, that I feel really fortunate to have someone to be riding this out with, mainly because I'm my personality type or whatever. I'm, I'm useless after about three days on my own. So this is it's it's good that I have uh, a spouse. Um, but, you know, that's also why I've encouraged people who are um, like friends of mine who are on their own or whatever. I, I tell them constantly, just, hey, if you're bored, just reach out to me. We can FaceTime. We can shoot the shit, whatever. Um, that's 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 what friends are for. And I think that's why we all kind of have to lean on each other in times like this. There's no excuse for people not to do things, is there now? Because everybody is at mm-hmm. home. Everybody is stuck. So you can't you can't drop a, a you know a fake excuse in there for something and say, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> I, I think that's. One of the good things about organising these these videos and, and the shows for the Blue Room is that nobody can say to me, oh, I'm really sorry, Matt, I've got, a, uh, <laughs> got an event on or something like that. Everyone's sort of, you know, if I ask them, they, they can't really think of an excuse to say no to not come on. Yeah, what's funny about it, and I, I feel like maybe other people have noticed this too, but oddly enough, I feel like I'm talking to my friends. And when I say talking, I don't mean just... Uh, text messaging like normal, but I, I actually feel like because of apps like uh, you know Zoom and and House Party and things like that, that um, I'm actually talking to my friends more than I did before this started. Um, and to your point, though, yeah, like um, I think everyone's probably at least around here, everyone seems to be drinking a little bit more than normal, and so 
I'm I don't drink a ton, but when I do, I, I'd like to be social with it. Uh, and so I'm always trying to get friends like, hey, let's I know it's Tuesday, but let's just have happy hour or whatever. And when people are like, I oh, can't make it, can't make it. I'm like, what are you doing? There's literally nothing you could be doing that's more important than hanging out with your friends right now. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like everyone has to kind of define their own social space, even even amongst amidst this kind of uh, scenario that we're in, because they probably just have to say no every once in a while and, and decide when they need to be with their significant other or by themselves or just, you know, not drink. But, you know, what what what, what fun is it to not drink right now? <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking that, you know, I was thinking about potential excuses you could use in this in these times where, which would allow you to not do something. So say you'd like arranged a, a house party or a Zoom call for, with your friends and then you thought, oh, no, I don't fancy it. You know, we've all had that, haven't we? We've got, you know, friends have organised the thing in the poor boy, you know, a meal or something. You think, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So I'm just going to make up an excuse. What excuses would be valid and would work <laughs> in, in, this, in this time? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? But, but uh, what, what you said there about, you know, having that social space and spending time with your significant other is, is important. But to say that feels really abrupt. You know, to actually say to somebody, I'm really sorry, but I've got to just sit with my, I'm like. <laughs> But I feel like I have my own time. I've just got to sit with my wife for a bit. So to actually, yeah. cause, you know, it feels like a bit like a, a Kirby enthusiasm situation where you get into a battle, like over. I I do feel like this whole scenario is going to birth a lot of uh, new excuses, new humor, new new everything. But you, you know, it's funny because when you get married. Um, and or especially when you have kids, um, I don't have kids, but my friends who do uh, constantly make excuses not to do things. So I figure like most of the time it's valid, of course, but there's a good 25 percent of the time where they're clearly using their kids just to get out of like hanging out. Because as you get older, it just seems like you want to do you're more comfortable doing everything on your own terms for the most part. But you also want to have a nice handy excuse, though, as not to offend people. I've found, though, that generally speaking, less detail is the key. What you do is if someone says, uh, you know, if you invite someone to something and they say, oh, I, I really can't, that's it. Don't say any more than that because <laughs> what people do is they fill the void of the unknown with the worst possible thing. Well, God, Rob didn't say he couldn't because of something. He just said he couldn't. And, you know, there could be something wrong and I, I shouldn't assume anything. And, you know, the, the, the unknown is very powerful when it comes to like, you know, swerving your friends. So um, I, even <laughs> even in these times, uh, I think that that works. But, yeah, to your point, though, man, like, I don't know, I, 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 I'm the kind of person who really likes, try, you know, some sort of social interaction that involves like a video or a FaceTime thing, you know, maybe once a day or, or if, you know, at least several times a week. It just keeps me sane because I'm now starting, I'm on almost, I'm over four weeks now of being isolated. Um, I think we were like a week or so ahead of you guys for the most part. And I'm, I'm missing, like, I haven't really interacted with another human being other than my wife uh, outside of like picking up food curbside or groceries and things like that. And that's about it. So, you know, you just seeing people and, and I'm trying not to make excuses. I'm trying to just say yes whenever anyone wants to talk or hang out because I figure maybe they need to, to talk for whatever reason. Have you done any quizzes with friends yet? We had one of them on Saturday. Well, yeah. Is it the moment? I have not. Um, I have not yet. Um, some of the quizzes I know, like in our, our group chats and stuff, some of them have been uh, during the week. 
uh, in the evening for you guys, but because of the six hour time difference, I've still got work and things I got to do, but, uh, haven't done quizzes yet, but I think that that's something I definitely want to do, uh, you know, for these upcoming weekends. I also want to play, I want to get a, like an online poker game set up of some kind, you know, just cause poker is an easy sport to, to play, I think online and just kind of, you know, I don't you have to bet real money or anything, but just it's an easy one to kind of play for a long period of time and shoot the shit. And, I, you know, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe give it a go. Maybe do a quiz. It just feels like everyone's doing a quiz. I was going to do a Blue Room quiz, but it feels like, you know, a lot of the other sites have done it as well. now. So maybe maybe give it a few weeks then. then well, you know what it is, too? It's like I, when it comes to board games uh, and I don't this is where I don't know. Like what games were popular over there for you guys growing up versus for for us? But I always loved like whether it was game shows or board games. I love trivia type games. Like Trivial Pursuit is still my favorite board game just because it's you know for the most part it's just about being smart. It's but classic. yeah, <laughs> it's classic. Um, even though I, I consider myself a relatively intelligent person, I still only know like twenty percent of the answers. But that's fine. That's not a bad batting <laughs> average in that. But um, when it comes to like football trivia, like I, again, I, I tell everyone in the Blue Room constantly, I remind them that if there is a Rob Vera brand, it is that I'm a football idiot. Like, I, I fully admit that. And so I feel like the quizzes that are very Everton-centric and football-centric, uh, they really hit me where it hurts most because, one, I'm a football idiot, and two, I don't have, like, the steel trap memory of, like, a Mike Diasha or something like that where he's like, oh, yeah, the game against Stoke where Andy Johnson scored that goal, blah, 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 like, some shit like that. I can't do it. And so... <laughs> Um, I, I, my memories, the, the way I internalize my memories of Everton are through emotional scarring, like I think most people do, uh, as opposed to memorizing facts. Okay. You've done well at forgetting a lot of them by the sounds of it, at least. So, hey. you know, which people like people like Mike, they just you know, you know, they stay there and they scar them and they gradually grind them down over time. Whereas you're just sort of like, I'm just going to let this these these Everton. Everton's sins and Evertonianism just sort of wash all over me and off my shoulders. Yeah, I feel it at the time, and I feel it pretty hard, but I have to find ways of, of kind of moving on from it in order to function uh, as a human being uh, moving forward. But I think everyone handles that differently, of course. <laughs> and one thing I didn't want to ask you about, actually, it's, it's weird, you know, for us to... We've actually seen each other quite a lot recently on here because we've done more video stuff, and usually it's just in the studio and we get video. But you're at your stand-up desk again. Yeah, you persisted with the stand-up desk even even at <laughs> times. Yeah, I well look, it's not like I'm standing all day long, but I this is just how I prefer. I, I feel more comfortable this way uh, in terms of you got to remember. So for those who have not heard this whole shtick about my standing desk, um, you can Google them, but basically it's it's a better way to work if you're having to like present for long periods because sitting for long periods is not good for your body and your back. And I have a you know I used to have a bad back and I don't anymore partially because of this. Yeah, I've got good posture. <laughs> I have to kind of lean over a little bit here, but yeah, no, I've got good posture. But um, I, I do find that in terms of clarity of thought and my ability to form sentences not 100 percent of the time but most of the time i'm better standing up than i am sitting down 
probably because I like to flail my hands like this and I like to make points like this. Even when we're on the podcast, um, when you guys can't see me, just imagine me going like this and going like this and going like, hmm, and like this. Uh, and, and I find that standing really accommodates that that better. But yeah, uh, I have to do for work, I have to do like these two, sometimes two and three hour presentations. So standing is, is better for me for whatever reason. That's really interesting that you sort of feel more... I don't know what the, what the right word is, more like sensitive and more alert when you stand it up as opposed to sitting down. I suppose the one thing that came to mind immediately then, obviously you've been to loads of matches yourself now, is when you're at the game and you're trying to sing, it doesn't quite, you can't quite vocalise and, and stuff as well. It just, it just feels a little bit weird, whereas if you're all stood up together and you're all singing, then it's, mm. it is a lot easier. So maybe, maybe there's something in that. Yeah, maybe. I, you know... I like that now that I've been to four four Everton matches, I've been to loads of matches, by the way. But um, yeah, I, you know, that's the one thing that is the toughest. We've never really talked about this before, but obviously because of the mandates they have in the stadiums where everyone has to pretty much sit for the most part, uh, that is so, that was one of the hardest things. That and obviously the inability to bring food into uh, the seating area uh, was the biggest cultural uh, shock, you know, like, culture shock thing that i went through over there but um yeah like you go to a an mb like a, a basketball like an nba game here and um in fact in oklahoma city it's a tradition that the entire crowd stands until the thunder make their first basket uh of the game and then but kind of the ebb and flow organically at sporting events here is that you're sitting but then if something exciting is happening people stand up or kind of like at goodison uh, you know, late, late on, if the sudden, you know, we, even though you're supposed to sit everyone, if once they're coming, storming down the field toward the Gladys street, like suddenly everyone sort of stands up in anticipation or whatever. That's why I liked that last match where I was on the first row. <laughs> so you, so on, on that one, you know, the first row, you would have been like the, the trigger for everybody. I imagine when you stand up, everyone, everyone behind you's got to as well. So <laughs> important to pick the right moments. I imagine when to go, when to sit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But then uh, outside of that, you feel like like a like a dick if you, you know, as the tall guy, um, you know, blocking some. I'm probably blocking some poor kid's view, uh, you know, or some person who's, uh, you know, in a wheelchair or something like. Then I feel awful about that. But um, hopefully, everyone's got good seating accommodation. I saw like a. Um, I saw uh, one of those Onion articles once about, and it was about. Um, it was about someone standing at a concert because of course I deal with the being tall thing. I'm about six foot three. So I, I deal with this at a concert and the headline of the onion article was, um, you know, something along the lines of, uh, no apologies to the people behind me because God made me six foot three or something like that. <laughs> I was like born. I was, I was, I was literally made to be, to be, uh, at this concert and you know, that's just fate and stuff like that. But <laughs> I miss the games. Uh, yeah, I miss. I will say that though. Like I, I've thought a lot less about Everton lately. But um, it's when I think about actually being there that I really miss it uh, more than the tea, more than the normal Saturday morning. Like I've been sleeping in on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. It's been nice. Uh, but but uh, you know, usually this time of year I'm planning my next trip over. So it's just kind of I, I feel like I'm in a bit of a in a holding pattern here because I can't wait to get back over. It's it's sort of become the norm for me now. I'm very much sort of used to it not being there, the football. But, but what, I, what, I, what I was thinking about actually early today was that it's going to be really weird when it does come back. Like having loads of sport on the telly again or going to the match is going to be 
such a peculiar experience for for everyone, I imagine, because it's. I, I don't know. Will you just settle back into old routines? Will it be a little bit different? Will everyone sort of grasp it and you know, not necessarily take? Cause I suppose you know, people who go in the game every week, like myself, seeing tickets all, you can take it for granted a little bit. And maybe something like this, where we've got you know, potentially months and months without anything, could be the sort of a catalyst for everyone just appreciating it that little bit more. Yeah, I we were talking about this on Kickabout last week. Like, I'm slightly skeptical about this notion of things just snapping back to normal because i i don't know that that's how life works and um i i kind of sense and i could be wrong at least that's the vibe here but i kind of sense that when you go through this many months of being vigilant about staying apart and being fearful of a disease as you should be um that you're that this idea that you know you're going to get a news alert and it says, hey, it's it's cool to go back out again and everyone's just going to congregate in 40, 50, 60,000 seat stadiums. I think it's I think people are going to be a little bit kind of dipping their toes back in the water to it. So I I do kind of wonder how long it'll take. Um, like part of me thinks that as soon as Goodison opens back up, it'll sell out and maybe it'll be fine. But I would probably kind of wait and see and make sure, you know, a few matches go by and everyone's, you know, no one's getting sick and, you know, just kind of going from there. But I think it'll be interesting to see how we handle it. But at least in theory, you're right. Like, I I think people will appreciate a lot of the things they took for granted after this. And I think they will also come to appreciate things that never occurred, never even occurred to them before. Um, after this as well. I, I, just, I think there's a lot of that that's that's happening right now. Um, let's have a chat about your shirt then to finish off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, obviously, everyone's been wearing the, the favourite shirt or the favourite Everton shirt. Um, this is the first time your one's been given out in Rob, 2007, 2008, 12 years ago. Well, 13 oh, years ago, going to start the season. Um, how come you picked that one? Well... Yeah, so no one can accuse me of being a bandwagon Everton fan from the last few years. And what a shitty bandwagon it would be if I was. But um, no, so this I, I chose this one because this is my first Everton shirt. I got it on Christmas Day from my stepfather back in, I guess it was, probably, it was 2007. Um, and it's funny because it's I every time I wear it I think about um, I, I definitely think about the fact that it was my first but I also think about the fact that you know I kind of I kind of play back in my head the chronology of Everton shirts and Everton history through what Leighton Baines hair looked like at that time and so I think at this time it was just you know him and uh, you know, him and Jackie Elka were young and he had the, you know, the side, I think the pretty scruffy sideburns at that point, or they were getting there at least. I think they may have gone full, full scruffy at like 08, 09, 9, 10. I'm not sure, but it was pretty, it was pretty like Gallagher brother looking back then. But um, the other thing, and uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm always trying to be, you know, on trend and everything is that my, one of my favorite underrated parts of that is the, the tiger skin, uh, pattern <laughs> that, that these included, which, you know, now that, now that, uh, uh, the tiger King is a big, is a big deal <laughs> on Netflix. And I, yes, am in Oklahoma. Um, you know, I feel like, Hey, this is, this is now my, this is now my tiger King Everton shirt. So, uh, I love it on many levels, a lot of sentimental value. Um, I have, I think I've got, I haven't counted lately, but I think I've got 12 of these shirts now, maybe. Oh. Like one time, I still, you know what, I, I still have one in, in a package that I haven't opened. You know which one that is? 
Is it the, the pink one? The yes. Yeah. <laughs> they they were so desperate to give those away that when I ordered an Everton shirt once years ago, they sent that for free without me ordering it. And <laughs> I just never. Now, granted, it's not like I'm anti-pink. Like, I'll wear it sometime. It's just like I keep forgetting to, to ever revisit it because, you know, there aren't many days that you wake up and think, you know, I look really good in Pepto-Bismol pink today. And so... <laughs> Uh, but I've got that one somewhere. But all my all my favorite Everton shirts are the Chang shirts. Like I, I sometimes joke that I miss I miss Chang Everton. Chang Everton is better than Sport Pesa Everton for me in terms of memories. <laughs> I, I don't know. So when, when you got the shirt, I don't know how invested you were in the team. Because remember you saying you started fully getting involved in 2004. Oh, I was fully invested at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know about yeah. you, but when I when I saw that shirt, me Lee made me think of Yakubu. You made me think of Jolie and Lescott, the, the two mm-hmm. players to mind. And I've just brought up the, the Wikipedia page for that season, the 2007-2008 season. And there was Yakubu's first season at the football club. He scored 21 goals. And Jolie and Lescott was, was the player of the year as well. Um, and Everton finished fifth. And it, it felt like then, the, you know, look, looking, obviously Everton got to the FA Cup final the year after. It felt like the team was maybe not quite the best Moyes side that we had in his time at short, but it certainly wasn't far off. Maybe the year after was about as, as good as they got. Yeah. yeah. I think um, that was certainly still in that period of time where I always felt like we were knocking on the door, you know, like this was before Spurs got to the left. Like we were still on the same level as like Spurs and some of those clubs then. And, and um, you know, I felt like we were always knocking on the door then. I, I do remember thinking that and again coming through the paradigm of american sports where you you acquire a player you bring in a free agent who you know like in the nfl if you bring in a big time receiver or something who can score that's how i felt about yukubu suddenly we had this guy that for whatever reason you know there's if you go back and you realize there's nothing impressive about watching him run or do anything else but the guy just could score goals like the guy was the guy just, you know, in that moment, he could do it. He, you know, flapping the wings. And then, look, uh, jo- yeah, Jolien Lescott was uh, Jolien Lescott was such a great signing then, too. I just thought between him and Jagielka, I'm like, yes, we've got, you know, we've got something special there. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I and then, of course, every time I think about Lescott, I still inevitably think about the ending with the whole city debacle and. Mark, Mark, Mark Hughes and all that stuff, but um, no, those were great. Those were great teams. Wasn't Andy John? Was Andy Johnson on the 06 or the 0708 team as well? Or was- so that season, Yakubu scored 21 goals in all competition, and then Andy Johnson, uh, Tim Cahill, and Johnny Lescott all scored 10 each. So <laughs> loads of different sources of goals that that year, and it was obviously that- the, it was obviously the season where we finished fifth, um, as I mentioned there. It was also the season where we got to the Europa League last 16 as well and got knocked out by Fiorentina. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. I, those were, you know, I, I, I still remember that Europa run and feel like, and, and if I recall, uh, Anichibi played a pretty big role in that run yeah. as well. Um, I still remember the... I still remember us playing uh, Medalist Kharkiv or whatever, that Ukrainian side where... I mean, I can't remember what kind of crap stream I found to watch that game, but I, I mean, it was just, it was insane how, 
I, I really got a cultural education and a European education during that Europa run of these outposts that we were going to to play. But man, that team was so fun. That team was like Ronald Koeman's dream of balanced scoring and everything. <laughs> yeah, so in the Europa League, we played um, Zenit St. Petersburg as well. We found at Goodison Park, obviously went on to win the competition mm-hmm. that season. We beat Alkmaar away from home um, and we beat Larissa as well, where obviously Leon Osman scored that. An amazing goal. Um, oh, yeah. it, was, it was that weird spell, the Europa League, where there was like five teams in the group, but you wouldn't play them home and away. You'd play two at home and, and two away. So yeah. we had Zerissa at home, and then we had Nuremberg. And we also say Alkmaar away. So mm-hmm. out then. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I love that team. That was that was the Julian Lescott left-back season, wasn't it? Where he just Oh, yeah, that's right. Force of nature playing left-back for a bit, and you scoring goals every week. But no, great memories, and definitely want to... David Moyes' best sides. Um, so that, that's that's your favorite kit. Um, you, you've got it, it's my, it's the one with my most sentimental value. I I think the one I think the shirt that I still like the best in terms of just it work it wears well with anything like jeans and anything else is my uh, the solid black Nike kit with the yellow trim. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't love Nike kits as a whole, but I did love. I did. I thought the Everton shirts were just simple, clean, really nice. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, I've got that. Got that black and yellow one, but I've washed it so many times now. Like it's starting to peel off the front. It's getting to. It's getting to that stage of it. Uh, of its shirt and life. But um, Rob, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Twenty-five minutes yeah. there. Absolutely, absolutely flown by. Uh, keep sm- keep smiling. Um, and uh, we, we've got some more shows coming up this week. You're going to be on uh, Kickabout. Um, I'm not sure who's on that this week. But... Uh, Mark Mosey is definitely joining this week, oh. uh, which yeah. is, you know, whenever I can get 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 the the man himself, the Mose man himself, it's it's just it makes me so happy and filled with joy. So he will be on. Um, still figuring out my third. I think it might be Kate again, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to be presumptuous. Need to ask her, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it for sure. Good. Uh, we also to subscribers to Blue Max, We've also got uh, Subs Weekly, which is going to be out tonight. We've got another uh, eleven show, which is going to be out on Wednesday. Um, but obviously, we started series two of that. Last week, uh, Jack Carlisle got off the mark of his first win. Have you been listening to them, Rob? Uh, I, I have, but I've still got – I'm a couple behind, but they've all been great. They've been really, really fun. <laughs> Everyone seems to, to be really enjoying them. Uh, we've got loads of stuff on, on the YouTube channel. Um, all these videos from Brew of the Blue have been interesting. I've really enjoyed all of them. So check it out. Uh, I think we're down here for subscribing, maybe, or here. One of them. It, it's in the bottom corner. So <laughs> Subscribe, like, all those sorts of things. It really helps the algorithm, helps us get our content out there. Thanks again to Rob, and uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.